Hello and welcome to Threadings, the newsletter and podcast in which we discuss black feminism and love studies uh, and other things keeping and collecting me. And this is a cold open. There is no jazz music because today I am grieving in public. Um, there has been another death on the world stage. And instead of laying that person to rest, we have decided to debate their personhood as a nation. Instead, the state representatives of New York, where Jordan Neely died, um, was was murdered with with bystanders and witnesses. Um, claims some misunderstanding, or that there is some justifiable reason for homeless black death. Whenever one of our most vulnerable dies on screen and on stage and with the world watching, and we all just breathe and hold our breaths and we freeze. I'm reminded that we are really bad at grieving, as a public as a nation, we particularly in the United States don't really know how to stop and grieve and how to cry and grieve and how to do that together. I myself reflected and realized that all of my grieving happens in secret um, and in my own house and in my own corners where I feel okay to dissolve. And I wanted to take a moment to be able to do that in public and to invite you to have some space to grieve with me and to realize that this is not all right and if you shed tears over the death of someone that you don't know that is perfectly acceptable and not only is acceptable it is i think the most human we can be together i am not going to recount the details of the death i am not going to sit in the gruesome nature of it um i think that that often happens and that's the way that we know how to grieve in the united states because this is a very 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 violent state in fact yeah that's a helicopter those aren't passenger planes don't make those noises so i'm outside here we're gonna hear construction and planes it's gonna be very imperfect because that is how i'm existing today because i can't possibly do this in the stuffiness of my house i can't let out all this grief in the stuffiness of my house it's all gonna be very imperfect it's not gonna look cute in fact i already like introing myself into this introing myself into this and um feeling the weight of of what i feel i'm already crying i promise you i'm going to cry during this so however it feels and however it comes out i encourage you to um i have an essay for us today entitled the call and response of collective grief to jordan neely and as a subtitle to mccrea bryant and to tyree nickel and to brianna taylor and to Sandra Bland and Dion Johnson and Treya Bond Martin and and then there's a little repeat sign to let us know that this just goes on and on and on ad infinitum. There are so many people that die by the legal or by the extra legal hands of the state that we will never know and we will never know their names and I want to stop and grieve. And I want to do so in public because the atrocities that happen to us in general for humankind, we tend to grieve in private and I don't think that's enough. Thus far, I have only written about grief up close. And here in the newsletter is where I would insert a picture, of, a picture of Jordan Neely, but I am too scared to find one in a search engine for fear of seeing his execution, which was recorded and is now being disseminated on the world stage. I have only written up close and personal about up close and personal bereavement because I know him well when grief puts on that body. That particular manifestation of grief curls up in bed around me, an old time lover that only wants to hold me. It's easy grief and it is daily grief 
It is a familiarity akin to a lifelong neighbor who lets himself into my house at any hour he so pleases to string together all these small bits of chaos with love. He places the milk glass jugs I kept to house my flower arrangements in back in the box to be taken away. He boils water for tea too early. I slink down scares, mascara smudged 10 a.m. in a sideways headscarf and robe untied and find a mug of chamomile waiting for me, mostly cold. No lemon. Far too much honey. Grief comes in my house like a teeny tornado, a bit like a five-year-old son that insists on making me a big grandmother's day breakfast and destroys my kitchen in the process. A loving grief. A magnified grief. One that I keep around because something has to fill the absence of the person gone in because he is easy company. Everyone always forgets death is sweet and needs a partner to play cards with. I have not, previ I have not previously come to you all with words on the grief that hangs above us. We, the collective, hear mourning. That is the big kind of grief, the existential suit that does not know you well enough to have a key into your home and is far too grand to ease through your doorway anyhow. Collective grief, a patchwork ceremony, swirls in the sight of our mind all the time. All the time. This is the breath that collects over our heads and forms from the way we, a people bereaved, breathe out when faced with someone we lost and who we did not all get to know in the small, sweet chaos of everyday going-ons. It's the condensation of a half-hearted cry. There is no room in this world and certainly no time in this world for us to weep properly and so we breathe out slow and make a cloudy sky, gray swinging low enough to kiss our foreheads with a cool and drugged breeze, enough to cloud our minds and numb us all into tumbling forward, all the weight of impending rain, none of the release. The reason I have not written about the weight of collective grief is because it requires me to sacrifice whatever I might think helpful. And that is such an ego death. I am the type to crave dessert. Sweet things after the hardship of bitterness and vegetables. Soothing balms. Hot, hot tea. There is no instant relief from the growing pains of revolution. So there is certainly no balm for the killings. There is no conflict resolution in murder. You cannot befriend the tragedy of white supremacy. I want to be kind and I want to be helpful. I want to turn myself into some soft and cozy respite. I dream I can be a relief since we, the people who grieve, cannot seem to find the time and strength to finish the exhale and gather the pain. So the collective sigh that hangs above us, half bodied and half baked, cools us into a quilted mind made content somehow with the sunless sky and morphine clouds and no rain to wash over us. I am always wishing to be the opposite of what I am. Death is sweet and I am alive and angry. My hands shake. I write all my essays by pen and today I was almost too enraged to hold a pen. We see the collective grief which settles for being almost rain and we completely ignore the collective grief that materializes in our hands, an acorn seed. Grief from the masses is also a seed that grows into an aspen tree, intentionally slow to root out, incredibly difficult to grow alone, prone to rooting and dying, forcing whatever the gardener wishes this process was into a humble 
servitude. Incredibly difficult to grow alone. I imagine fully realized collective grief and I see a grove of aspen trees, the ones that turned the mountains gold every September with the beauty of their hive dying. A people that commit to dying brightly together. Aspen groves are connected in their root networks such that the whole forest breathes and turns as one, like a hand moving on divine inspiration to the next page of a book. A grand and fingered body on its own, the thought that we, one day, could grow a grove with our grief instead of clouds that cover us and do not speak makes me hold on to the seed I get each and every time someone who looks like me dies on the world stage and has their personhood debated instead of being lovingly laid to rest. I keep trying to grow my own sapling alone and she keeps dying, so I will wait. I think two things in summary of collective grief. Grief is both the exhale of the bereaved and the inhale that fuels the body. Grief is both the exhale of the bereaved and the inhale that fuels the body. The collection of our cry and the inhale of how we mobilize all this loose, untethered pain through our bodies and into the ground. This is exactly what I say about love, that love is both the feeling that compels you to action and love is the action itself. Love and grief are synonymous. Love and grief are synonymous. Sisters, in that they cannot stay circulating in our chest with nowhere to go. They will steal your breaths. They will collapse your ribs. They will, they will commandeer whatever fertile earth is inside your own chest if you do not get on your knees and give them a ground to rest and root in. Collective grief unfolds. The mass swelling of each individual's cry and the individual planting, the seeds spring forth from dying. Individual and communal effect, release, and action. Grief can grow like a tree and falls like rain and maybe bring forth something connected to outlive us, but only if we give what it takes. I, angry and unsweet, would like to tell you what I wish to see. What I see when I close my eyes and I pray for the freedom and the time to grieve. Instead of this cascading, drugged, fog masquerading as a rain cloud, I pray for a torrential downpour. I pray that it lasts a good and long fertile season. We, the people here, surviving, move about covered in wet fog while surviving a drought. How? How and for how long? I pray that we release ourselves from the partial hearted cries for justice and mercy while we are still on our way to work. We should be honest. Mercy does nothing for the already dead, and justice only comforts the living. I pray that we weep for what we lose outright, and I pray that we cry for a good and long while. I want the weight of the deaths of our most vulnerable to drive us into our gardens and onto our knees to plant. I want enough water to root a sapling. I pray that we... We here on this side of revolution commit to a grove whose fully realized beauty we will never see. That we, a people that allow grief into our homes and into our bodies, teach our children that grief belongs to us. Grief is a friend. Grief grows like a tree if you let it and like a cancer if you do not. 
I pray our saplings find each other underground and keep each other in time. We rise and fall and die brightly, or not at all, again and again, with a still sort of peace. Because what is time to a grove of trees? I pray a blessed tradition of call and response that recognizes the urgency of our moments, such that when the great, 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 greats ask why we put on gold when our most beloved and our most vulnerable pass away, we tell them of the trees it took to get here. We let them know of the age-old stories, that grief is both the rain that nurtures the seeds and the grove that rises up to greet the downpour, that grief is both the call and the response, that we, the people, keep our word to the deceased and we bury them among the trees that bloom golden for us in their dyings, that we keep the seeds and so we keep the trees and we witness the spectacle of death. Way back then, under the empire, the spectacle of death is everywhere as a means of fear and subjugation and hopelessness. And now we turn away from whatever numbs us and engage the call and response. We move together to plant the seeds that spring forth from the dying. And now, one day or yesterday or today or however we keep time in the world that comes after this one, we grieve. We capital G grieve. We draw in the breath it takes to call forth the rain. We kept the skies for you, and while at torrents, we say our prayers. The mountain turns gold in death, and so do we. So this is the call and response of grief, which reminds us that our tasks as the living are to get on our hands and knees, plant the grief, run from the numbness, call forth the rain, and do it all in the name of a day where a tree stands in place that a seed once made her way into gentle earth gold for the days of the dying and for the shining value of their lives gold for the days we grow a grove that triumphs over death we are in a season of death autumn comes today and the buds of spring for the seventh generation lay just under the horizon that is to say today is the grieving today is the grieving one day we will plant our seeds and we will wear gold and we will lay our dead to rest this piece could be a rant of anger that goes on and on but all I really hope to say is that there is a ton of noise and there are people with money and power who want you to think about anything except for the fact that we all have the resources we need to care for one another and the fact that society is set up to make them rich rather than to take care of you and Jordan Neely and there are others People who have bought into a system that gives them little but the illusion of power and elevates them over people not by raising them up and forcing others down. But we outnumber them and their position is weakening as skyrocketing inequality strips away some of the small rewards that they were given. And we can start to build a better world here and now with or without them. We must. Those are words from Joshua P. Hill who writes New Means. I would recommend that you read it. And that's the end of today's essay. I thank you for tuning in. I missed all the ugly background noise because my life right now has a lot of ugly background noise and I don't want to shy away from it. I don't want to shy away from any of this. And I cannot do the work of grieving alone. 
So thank you for keeping and collecting me in these moments where I absolutely cannot grieve by myself. Until next time. And I hope that the work of your day passes through your hands with ease.